sometimes you have things that happen in your life that are just kind of, you don't even really see them coming. I think it was four years ago now in early October where the space shuttle Endeavor moved through the streets of Los Angeles going from uh, LAX airport to the California Science Center. From our corporate headquarters in Plano, Texas, this is Tyler. This is Kelsey. This is Allison. Thanks for joining Toyota Untold. Here at Toyota, we're known for our sedans, four-door, two-door, five-door, hatches, and trunks. But the T in Toyota also stands for trucks. Tundra, Tacoma, TRD, we are the T brand. We love the whole truck thing, rugged, roomy, and built. Not long ago, a customer called to tell us his Tundra had gone a million miles. He brought the truck in and our engineers pulled it apart bolt by bolt in order to learn just what a million miles looks like on the inside of a vehicle. So as we anticipate the rollout of updates to the fall 2020 TRD Pro models, Tundra, Tacoma, Forerunner, and the addition of Sequoia to the TRD Pro family, we thought it was time to celebrate the glories of the truck. We'll talk to people who engineer and build trucks, and we'll hear the story of the greatest truck feat in Toyota history, the shuttle pull. Because it's never a question of cars or trucks. It's always going to be cars and trucks. I mean, when asked cake or ice cream, isn't the right answer cake and ice cream? So since we're dedicating a whole episode to trucks, we thought it'd be really fun to talk about our own experience of trucks because here we are, we're all relatively new to Texas and Texas seems to run on truck power. So since moving here, I've become much more aware of trucks. I didn't know that much about them to begin with, but now I've kind of fallen in love with the pickup truck. There's a love for them out there. And I think when you move to Texas, you're taken aback by the number, not just of trucks, but trucks that have been modified with lift kits, with all different kinds of gear that you see on the road. And when I moved here, I had a small sedan and I felt so low to the ground and I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see cars ahead of me. Uh, And so now I drive a Lexus GX and I can see over everything. I'm able to see the road much better. I like the power and the feeling of being up high and having a bigger vehicle to haul around all my stuff, my kids, dogs, things like that. My husband has a pickup truck and he put a three-inch lift kit on it, which is pretty moderate. It's not, you know, anything huge. But even still being so tall, like I have to grab the handle and like lift myself up into it and use the running boards. And I'm glad that he used the, he changed out the running boards because the original ones he had were like slippery and these ones have much more of a grip to them. The truck is kind of the ultimate gearhead vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mike Swears is the Executive Chief Engineer for the Toyota Tundra, Sequoia, Tacoma, and Forerunner Vehicle Programs at Toyota Motor North America Research and Development. The role of the Chief Engineer is similar to that of a director of a movie. The Chief Engineer is responsible for the vision and the execution of the vehicle. So not surprisingly, Swears is a sought-after truck and SUV guru at Toyota. Since 2017, he's been in Japan helping to translate why we love trucks so much here in America, big thundering trucks, and ensuring that we are designing and building the best and safest trucks for our customers. But Japan is quite a long way from Michigan, where Swears had worked as an engineer for 27 years before moving to Japan. So how's it going in Japan, Mike? And how did you get there? I've been in Japan hundreds of times, and I was going once a month uh, to Japan, and then uh, one day, my uh, boss, Nakajima, came to me 
I work for CV company. Mm-hmm. And what that means is commercial vehicles were, were broken up into to smaller companies. And he came to me one day and he says, so Mike's son, in June, you'll be in Japan. I'm like, yeah, Nakajima son. Every, every month I'm in Japan. So I'll be in June. No, no, no. In June, you'll be in Japan. And I said, yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I come every month. Yeah. I'll be here in June. He says, no, no, no. In June, you'll be living in Japan. And I went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I found out. Okay. But, you know, it's been it's been uh, a really great experience. And uh, I've learned a lot. And hopefully, I've contributed back to the company. Absolutely. Because I feel like you are the truck SUV guru. Expert. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That should be a real loose term. <laughs> I'm, I, I guess I'm the guy that got told I'd be there. But... No, I, but you have I, a personal I, passion for trucks I too. Do. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a truck owner. I, I truly do have a big passion for trucks and what you can do with trucks. So whether I'm the right person or not, I don't know. But uh, I'm trying to build a truck or make a truck that I want to drive. Mm-hmm. So when did trucks enter your life, your professional career? In Toyota, I I had different roles and and uh, I was vice president of interior design, so I had instrument panels and door trim garnishes and seats and this type of thing. And Tarashi Sun, whose EVP was our our president of TTC at the time, TC, TTC being Toyota Technical Center. And like I said, I, I'm a truck guy, so I was complaining to Tarashi over since we launched. We called it well, the the full-size Tundra mm-hmm. back in 2007 of things I didn't like about the truck. Things that I think needed to be changed. As a consumer, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm a customer, mm-hmm. right? And there's things I didn't like. So I live on a farm and, you know, there was just little things that what I can do with my truck and how I use my truck, there's little things that bothered me. Yeah. And so I was making suggestions we need to approve. And one night, Tarashi comes up to my desk and... uh he says, Mike, son, I fixed the tender issue. I said, oh, great, great, great. So what nice. parts are going to happen? Yeah. He goes, your chief engineer fixed it and walked away. So that's how <laughs> I got the uh, truck gig. I, I feel like your career is just based on executives telling you what you're going to do next. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to you live know, here. It, yeah, you're going to do this. That that's pretty much my life, both yeah. at work and at home. So oh. yeah, I have a boss at home and I have a boss at work, and I just do what I'm told. Listen, aces in their places. Keep it going. If it's you know, <laughs> <laughs> if it works, it works. That's awesome. So, what were some of the things that when you got trucks, your chief engineer on trucks, and you're like, all right, we got to do this for customers, and and how much is just what you want personally? How much do you listen to the customers out there? Is that important? Is it not? When you just want to do what oh, you want to do. It's absolutely important. Yeah. But the great thing within Toyota North America is most of our engineering staff, or if I go down in our plant in Texas, most of the people are truck guys. Yeah. Right? So I get to hear customer voices all the time. And one of the engineers that works on seats lives by me. So we both own farms and that. I get to hear suggestions nonstop from oh, I'm him. Sure. So it, it's kind of funny because today after I get done with the interview, I get a phone call from him and he wanted to know what we were doing on this model and because he's got mm-hmm. a suggestion, we should do it like this. Yeah. And, you know, so you, you've got that voice. But also one of the things that's been a lot of fun, I like to off-road. And uh, so anytime that marketing's doing something off-road, you know, I try to we- weasel my way in mm-hmm. there. But going to the truck jamborees and stuff. Um, 
What is a truck jamboree for people who may a, a not A truck know. jamboree is where, you know, there's there's truck jamborees and there's Toyota truck jamborees. But we had a Toyota truck jamboree. So we, we went out and I we were in Moab and it's just all these Toyota truck owners that yeah. are going off-road, right? Okay. And we're in a line. You're just like, like hey, let's go. Well, you, you, it's a big event. Yeah. It's an event put on. Okay. But it's it's we all have the same interest. Right? Okay. Mm. So we're out there and and I'm talking to them. I'm asking them, hey, if we could change this, what would you recommend? Mm-hmm. If we did this, what do you recommend? So GoPro is a perfect example. On Tacoma, we have a GoPro bracket that came out of one of those those off road events. And look at that jamboree. You know, a customer they're putting GoPros all over their trucks mm-hmm. and. I was talking to him and and I said, you know, if you could have anything you wanted, what would you? And I'm thinking they're going to say, well, I want front and rear lockers. You know, I would like a a front sway bar disconnect. No, I get, hey, I lost a GoPro and it really made me upset. If you guys could put like a mount or some mounts on the the vehicle so I can record what I'm doing, that'd be great. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I never even dreamed of something like that. Right. But yeah, they want to record what they're doing. And it's so it, small, but so smart. It's know? so small and small, so smart, right? Yeah. It, and it's truly, it's meeting that customer's usage. So mm-hmm. our, our customers, our truck customers are more active than our competitors. And they they have active lifestyles and they like to record their lifestyles and they love social media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how, how do we meet their demands? So that's one example, but just something that small. It's it's a very unique idea. We didn't come up with on our own, we didn't get it through a focus group. It's just talking to customers. Yeah, you know what? What do you like? What you don't like? If you could have anything, what would it be? Who knew GoPro bracket was one of them? Right? Yeah. It, again, is how do you meet the majority of what customers are asking mm-hmm. for? And and some of the stuff is really simple to do. The GoPro mm-hmm. bracket. Yeah. That's 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 an easy one. Some of the stuff gets a little more difficult. And off road capability and off road features. Manual transmission in Tacoma is a great example. We were the only ones uh, when we launched Tacoma to have a manual transmission. Everybody got out. But that was a customer demand. Mm-hmm. And that's extra resources that we put into it. But for the off-road community, that manual transmission is really important. So we put our resources there. And we could have put it in some other things. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's meeting a, a request directly from our customers. And maybe a little selfish because I like to off-road. But, right. you know, if we can't build enough, trucks, then, you know, you can't be everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. And we really try to focus on what is Toyota trucks. Yeah. So what are you doing in Japan? Right now, I, I'm working, I'm responsible for F1 platform vehicles. Okay. Uh, F1 platform and F2 uh, platform vehicles. But What does that uh, mean? What's well, F1 and F2? we have Tundra, Sequoia, Forerunner. We call it the Four Brothers. Okay. Forerunner yep. in Tacoma. The four brothers I'm responsible for and FJ okay. Cruiser. Mm-hmm. So we don't have FJ Cruiser here anymore, but globally we still make and sell right. FJ Cruisers. So those those five vehicles are my responsibility. And uh, I have North American experience, but I don't have global experience. So mm-hmm. uh, one of my reasons for being there is to understand the overseas markets as well okay. as the North American market. But aren't you also educating maybe a little bit about, I mean, because the U.S. is the biggest consumer of pickup trucks and 
large. Mm, that's not actually no? true. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the funny thing is that we get to hear about our, our competitors and, and all the truck sales they have. Yeah. If we look at, we call it IMV, but the Hilux pickup truck, Hilux pickup truck, uh, the Hilux family sold 1.1 million trucks last year. Oh, wow. And oh. we don't get them. Wow. We don't get them in the U.S., right. but they're all over. So Toyota sells a lot of trucks. Yeah. And understanding the requirements globally is good for us to also understand what's necessary in North American market and maybe what isn't necessary. Right. But the other part of my job is to bring the North America voice over to Japan mm-hmm. as we are working on trucks. And really what that means is I, I still have to report to CV company. Mm-hmm. Um, my boss is president of CV company. And I also have to go to the board of directors to get funding for the stuff we we produce and sell in right. North America. But in Japan, other than the six Tundras rolling around, there are no full-size trucks. Right. And, and they're hard to understand. Yeah. So even when we did uh, the 14 model year, when we had our, our big change on Tundra, mm-hmm. we proposed coming out with the 1794. We call it the Western version mm-hmm. in the engineering terms before we we launched it. And the proposal was to put this, what we call shelf two leather. That's mm-hmm. the same leather you put in a Lexus. And Kadosan EVP says to me as we're presenting this, he goes, why would you ever put leather in a truck? And why would you put Lexus leather in a truck? <laughs> and, and we have to remind ourselves that they don't see them. Right. They don't understand the market. Yeah. And so I talked about this K, K car that's mm-hmm. really popular in, in Japan. I just learned about them today, by the way. Yes. So it would be like it would be like asking you to design a cage car now. Right. Right. Yeah, kind of know what it's like. And, like and we have standards yeah. for powertrain and stuff that we can all follow. But why would you want a car that, tiny, you know, tiny. Tiny. Yeah. Right. It doesn't make sense to us. So my job is to help bring the North American voice and what is important for the truck. And like I said, I'm, I'm a little passionate about it. I think they get tired of hearing me, but yeah. there's certain things I want, right? Right, And there's certain things I know the customer wants. Right. And in just going and explaining why we need the investments and trucks are expensive mm-hmm. to develop because we're, we have a, a pass car and we've got one upper body and one powertrain or two powertrains. The, the platform, we call the platform what's underneath the car, we only have one. But in a truck, you know, I have four wheelbases and I have three decks and I have two cabs and, you know, we have multiple engines and Kevin's shaking his head over here because he's got to build all this stuff that we keep throwing at him. But it takes a lot of engineering resources and it takes a lot of investment. Yeah. But they're really cool, right? Obviously. The Kevin that Mike just mentioned is Kevin Vocal, the new president of TMMTX, which is Toyota's truck plant in San Antonio, Texas. Truck manufacturing requires a high degree of skill, split-second timing, and no neckties allowed. But before we get into what it's like in the plant, we want to know why the truck that Mike just mentioned is called the Tundra 1794. Seventeen ninety four is actually uh, the ranch land that the San Antonio plant was built on. Is when it was established was in seventeen ninety four from mm-hmm. a grant from the Canary Islands. And it's actually there's a book out that's called the oldest ranch in Texas. It was part of the Walsh Ranch, and uh, we have that story. I think it's the JLC Ranch also is what it's called. And we have that story in our uh, lunchroom for everybody to see. And there's a book out, but uh, so we thought it was kind of in paying homage back. Uh, to the land that was originally established and to uh, 
honor the ranch land and name a truck that was a unique addition. Mm -hmm. And to what Mike was just saying, I, I have been to TMMTX two times, I am fortunate to say. And I think what's incredible is that it's not like you build, okay, we're going to go with the Tundra and this version and you know you have 100 or 200 of those. I mean, you have a Tundra, then a Tacoma, then a Tundra, then two Tacoma, whatever it is. And they're all different grades. They're different interiors. How do you guys make that happen? Like, it's well, crazy. Well, first of all, I think that the, you have to start back. It's not just us. That This is a kind of the unique uh, way of Toyota, the Toyota production system yeah. of minimizing any waste. So you, we don't build in batches is what you're really saying. We build them yeah. one at a time in sequence to the customer order. Right. And it minimizes any kind of a waste of uh, the seven forms of waste that you go through. We can go into a whole subject of that. With the but, customer order being mostly the de- the dealers, well, right? Yeah, well, we say and the customer order, but yes, for mm-hmm. us, that comes out of a sequence of orders from of how they come into our, you know, from our system. And then uh, we send the orders out to our suppliers and they bring the parts just in time. So it is a challenge. It's, uh, I guess, uh, another you know, certainly within North America, we're the highest variation of vehicles on a single line. In Japan, they have some bigger challenges. There. They build many more models on one line than we do. But in North America, we, we have what we call 31 Kadashikis or 31 kind of different variations, excluding color. So this is what oh, Mike was talking about. Goodness. It's cab type and engine type and truck type. And so we have a large pickup and a, a compact pickup on the same line. And so all those when the team members are actually building those sequence of events that they have to uh, put them in, they have to know the variations. They read the uh, unique identifiers on the truck of what that truck requires. And then they have to know the sequence of operations to build that in their 10 foot section of pitch in 60 seconds to be able to put those items on. So it is a lot of memory or standardized work to make sure we have a repeatable process that can produce Safety for the team members to be producing that operation, but mm-hmm. most importantly, it's the quality of how the truck was designed to be put together to ensure the safety of our customers. Yeah, and that's uh, that's where the team members take the pride. And, and if they can't complete that, that's okay. We have things that automatically stop the vehicle, or we have things that we can stop the vehicle to make sure we can take the time to get it absolutely one hundred percent correct. That's incredible. And seeing this process, like I'm just amazed that. It all goes so smoothly. Yeah, nothing ever goes wrong. It's 100%. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've got some uh, beachfront property for you if you believe that. But there are things that go wrong every day. We work hard to uh, to make sure that we can. And then those things that are harder processes, that's where the collaboration between ourselves and design. And Mike is a great listener. And I just got to say, you know, and the operators on the line are highly skilled. Yeah. And we throw a lot of stuff at them and and Kevin talked about you know they have to learn all these things but they have a huge amount of skill mm-hmm. and when we go through RE when we're having problems the first thing we do is make an engineer whoever designed the part go down and try to put the part on and, and work with the operator some of it's knack and the operator naturally can do it yeah but it's always a, a good laugh, I think, for everybody in the plant is when an engineer goes and tries to do their job because they can't do it. Yeah. You know, and uh, we don't wear ties anymore, but that was always a saying is never let a tie on the line because mm-hmm. they'll mess it up. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it, it's it's amazing. I, I'm still amazed at the capability. And you really have to go and talk to the guy doing the job and ask him his his advice or his desire for you because yeah. they don't 
he's the one that knows the job better than anybody yeah. else. Or she. Or she. Or she. Oh, That's many me. she's. Oh, we actually have a program that was started, um, and I really appreciate this too. To, as Mike mentioned, they make it look effortless. Mm-hmm. There's actually a thing called Smooth Motion Kaizen. Smooth Motion Kaizen utilizes one of Toyota's core philosophies, Kaizen. Kaizen means continuous improvement. So in order to keep the line moving and to ensure quality, tiny adjustments are made continuously to the process to make it better and better all the time. It looks seamless about this kind of a flow of how they just reach around and pick up a part and they do this and they pick the gun up until you go try to do it. So in given elements about the number of things they have to put onto a vehicle in different sequences, not just repeated, it's different almost every truck that comes down the line depending on the grade or the variation of the truck type. But uh, there is a program that was started where our top executives actually come to San Antonio and they spend a week on the line. Our chief legal officer came and spent a week on the line. That's so awesome. Scott Vazen came and spent a week on the line. That's my boss's boss's boss for everybody. That's right, chief communication <laughs> officer. And uh, the deep appreciation that they can learn and gain of a total perspective of our company, Of I think it helps us better as a company mm-hmm. to uh, kind of go and see and understand as we make faster decisions to make better products. Yeah, I'm appreciative. I've been here two and a half years almost. And I've been to uh, K twice and to TMMTX twice, which every time I go, I'm just blown away. So Kevin, you are an engineer as well. How did you get started and kind of get to the role of plant president? You know, it's an interesting journey of a little bit of like Mike. I'll, I'll first say that I'm, I'm humbled and honored to serve in this role. And uh, that, that's the way when I talk about it with the team members, I'm, I'm currently uh, serving as or acting as uh, because it's really my belief. So it, it really is... Again, I, I don't want to say that I had this ultimate roadmap that got me there. I think that there was just a series of events or maybe opportunities, I'll say, that put me in the right place at the right time to be able to do things. I actually applied five times to Toyota, and uh, I have, I'm running a plan up in for Alcoa. For four of the times, I wasn't even grant. I was just to send a rejection letter mm-hmm. that... Uh, Sorry. Yeah, oh, so, come so. on, HR. So I'm running a plant. I can't get a job. That's okay. <laughs> so I, persistence, perseverance. Yes. So I actually applied for and was granted an interview for assistant manager of maintenance and assembly. That's mm-hmm. what I actually was applied for. So interviews went through technical phone screens. Next thing you know, I am, uh, I'm coming to San Antonio. We were at Kelly Air Force Base. The plant was, the uh, area was still ranch land. We were operating out of a temporary office and, uh, so I went through this, I will say at the Toyota way of interviews, but at that time, this lasted an entire day of interviews. I'm talking, oh, you know, 12 man. hours of yeah. interviews. And I could not figure out what's going on. So my last interview was with the president of Toyota at the time. His name was TJ Tajima. Mike's smiling. <laughs> and uh, Fondly. He, he, he is a, he's a very interesting uh, guy as a president, very charismatic and I was said that you only have one more interview. Please hang with us uh, that uh, we, uh, we have the president interviews everybody. So mm-hmm. he goes and I sit down in front of him. I've never met the man and uh, Mr. Jima and he introduced himself, big smile on his face. And he says, uh, I only have one question for you in his Japanese way. Uh-oh. And I'm really thinking, okay, what kind of question is he going to ask me? And he says, um, what kind of vehicle do you drive? At the time, I was driving an, uh, uh, another product, of a Ford uh, diesel uh, uh, three-quarter ton mm-hmm. pickup, but I had come down on a flight, and so I thought, 
wow, I am going to lose this job because <laughs> I don't drive a Toyota. But I said, I, I've got to say the truth. Yeah. So I said it. And in the Japanese style, there's a lot of pausing sometimes before a response. Not like the American style where you say something, I say something back and right. forth. It's a, it's a kind of a pause. And sometimes it's a deeper thinking. And there was a pause that seemed like a lifetime <laughs> for me that... I have just lost this job because Still I have told the truth. Yeah. You know, my mother and father said, always tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Finally, there was a big smile and I, and I couldn't, I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to break the ice. I said, does this mean I don't get the job? And his only response was, no, I actually see a future Toyota customer and a future Toyota shareholder. And he got up and he walked out the door. And that was it. And that was the end of my interview. <laughs> And uh, I went outside and I'm thinking, now what? I'm just, I don't know what to think anymore. Yeah. And so I remember I had applied for the job as assistant manager for maintenance and assembly. And I came out and uh, the, the vice president at the time was named Don Jackson. And he comes out and he says, I've got uh, good news and bad news. And at this time, I'm they just, really just strung you along totally on confused. This. Yeah. And I said, okay, what is, what's, let's, let's hear the bad news. He said, what do you want to hear first? So let's use the bad news. I said, what's the bad news? And he says, well, we're not going to offer you the job as assistant manager of maintenance and assembly. And I'm thinking, well, what can be the good news? And at the time, Toyota was establishing its first ever campus with all these on-site suppliers. Mm -hmm. And I had some plant operations. I had done brownfield startups, a greenfield startup. And they said, well, we want you to become the manager to help these companies establish on site. So that's how I got my wow. start with Toyota. And mm -hmm. it really had nothing to do with designing trucks or anything else. It was establishing these... 21 on-site suppliers around our campus and building the relationships and construction and processes. And that's how I really started in the business with Toyota almost 15 years ago now. And uh, then I just held serious different positions mm -hmm. for 10 years. Uh, then I had a fortunate opportunity to go up to, um, uh, at the time it was TCAL, mm -hmm. uh, right uh, right after the announcement was made that the Toyota was coming to Dallas. Mm -hmm. And I held uh, many different roles and was uh, had the oppor fortunate opportunity to uh, have things like the TMMGT project to go uh, and uh, help get it launched one time with Corolla and the second time with Tacoma. Yeah. So two times and then uh, held many, many different roles within Toyota. But uh, And then fortunate to come back in, in 2018 and then now my new assignment. Plant president. Honored and humbled. What does a day look like for a plant president? What do you do? I mean, you're on the floor constantly, correct? It's on the golf course. Most yeah. Of the yeah, time. yeah. That's, a, that's, <laughs> that's a, out back. That's a, another part so, of the range. So, you know, this question's, uh, you know, it's, uh, well, first of all, being able to come back to the plant that I started in and watching it come from Rangeland and now being able to uh, sit in the role I am in. Again, I, I can't describe it other than honored and humbled and to be among the people there, because mm -hmm. it really is about the people. You know, when people come to visit like Alan Pierce uh, and show their story, uh, you know, I think he was called by the team members, you're the hero. Mm -hmm. But uh, that interchange and our team members' pride in what they do and be able to show that off, uh, I think that day when uh, Alan came, uh, they lined the entryway with their own trucks, uh, so jacked awesome. up and, and on lifts and big tires and And, and they just had a great time. And it was just a camaraderie of just talking trucks. So uh, I really have to give a shout out. Our team members are great and flexible and uh, we're really proud. I think it says, speaks such volumes that when Alan, owner of the Marshmallow and Tundra, said to me, episode two, if you haven't listened to it, everybody, 
he said to me that that experience, you know, he's a healthcare worker. He saves people's lives for like a job, you know, every now and then outside of that one day. But he said meeting the team members at TMMTX was so humbling for him and made him think about how he could take better care of the people. And this guy's like, you know, he's actually life or death here. And meeting the Toyota Texas uh, team members was just humbling for him. Speaks volume to yeah, the Absolutely. People. You know, we, we have so many great examples, the, the letters that come in and it starts with a great design. You know, we're just thankful. Uh, we never want to abdicate that sort of trucks used for, but the team members understand that every job they do, they take such care and passion to make sure the truck is assembled in the way it was designed. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is because of the great design of the sort of safety sense, because everybody did their job correctly, because we have a great product, you know, when the truck's driving down the road and I look left or right as I'm going down, I think, oh, look at that family, they're enjoying the truck. Mm-hmm. It's not until something catastrophic happens and everything works properly and that family walks away and we get that letter from somebody and say, thank you so much, Toyota. And those get passed around. That's what sends shivers through the team members. And mm-hmm. we and we show those letters and we talk about quality commitment every day. And this is why we do what we do. It's not just about sales or volume. It's about we care for people. People ask me sometimes about what is it like working for Toyota? And I say that for me, it's easy because it's, it's a philosophy of continuous improvement and especially respect for people mirror my own kind of moral compass. Mm-hmm. And I like to talk with the team members and uh, that I, I'm not on the floor near as much as I want to be. Uh, but from the, I, I am always a believer and I tell this story, we, I have a round table with the team members three times a week. Uh, it's about 10 people at a time. We have about 3,500 team members. So it takes a while then we exist cross-functionally, but it gives them a chance. We have some lunch together, but we're able to really hear the issues and have access uh, to them and be able to understand what's their issues on the and floor. And this doesn't turn into like just the complaints department? You know, it's or? okay. We always say, I want to introduce myself. Uh, I always say that, uh, and this is a true belief, that uh, titles don't define our importance. They only define our responsibilities. And for me, I, I always show the triangle. From the top, I do believe vision and direction needs to come from the top, whether that's at the plant or from our global CEO and President Akio Toyota. Vision and direction has to come from the top. But on the inverted triangle, the least important person in the plant is me, the president. And this inverted triangle, which shows as a support, the most important person in the plant is the team member that touches the product, that touches our customer. Yep. Because they're the ones making that vehicle. Mm-hmm. They're the ones doing the work. How do you two work together, Mike and Kevin? I, I do whatever Kevin tells me. <laughs> That's not true. Short you know, <laughs> we've talked a little bit about this. That you know, uh, Mike's team. For example, Mike's team will be at the plant. He just learned on Monday. We're going to talk about some things of mm-hmm. how to break through some initiatives, how to how to create better business processes, how to make a better vehicle, yeah. how to make timely decisions to respond to the market. You know, our our customers are changing. Where they they want more. We want. Uh, you heard trucks. It's kind of at Mike's interview earlier. It's like catching on fire. But that's a whole industry. So. How do you respond fast to the market, but with good business decisions? So this collaboration. Yeah. So what I would say is, you know, similar to what Kevin said, I I, I don't do anything. It's actually, we have engineers that are designing engineers that are evaluating. We have engineers that uh, are building prototypes and, and our technicians that are working on the prototypes. 
they're working with the pilot assembly guys that that come up. They work together hand in hand. We mm-hmm. have our materials engineers and so on and so forth. Yeah. And all these people are coming down to work with the team members and the pilot assembly members and understand how do we design a vehicle that they can produce. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of exchanges going back and forth. And and my role is just to orchestrate um, the different divisions and different functions to make sure that uh, we are closing issues out, that we're resolving problems, that we're meeting what our design plan is for the vehicle, and that finally we're giving a product to the plant that uh, is profitable, that is uh, efficient, and uh, that they can build, safely build, as as Kevin said. And that's the important thing. So, you know, I yeah, I, I get to talk on microphones and, and, and these type of things, but really, I, I don't do anything. You know, we've got 1,200 engineers working on, on trucks, and they're the ones that are making it happen. They're the ones that are doing the job, and they're doing a, a spectacular job. Mm-hmm. So just like you, you said, uh, Kevin talked about, you know, they, they lined the trucks up. They've done that for us a couple of times. It's like a, a showing honor, right? Oh, like my, my God. Respect. It's, it, and it's crazy because the, the people on the line are truck guys. And I don't really have to motivate the engineers up in Michigan because they're truck guys. And so everybody's trying to make what they want. Mm-hmm. And, and there's great pride in it. So I think it's a it's a perfect combination uh, right now between design engineering and even if we get into our quality groups working together and, and so on and so forth, you know, this is really, really, I think, a great relationship that we have. Can mm-hmm. it be better? Well, it can always be better. Yeah. And, and that's Kevin and I's, my interaction together is how do we improve? How do we t- tear down the barriers? How do we make things easier so that the two teams can coordinate and get their jobs done to make yeah. the best trucks. You know, the most, uh, Tyler, what you don't get to see and what's what's the most exciting part of my day as a president, and, and I say this all the time, is the sheer ingenuity of our team members. And when I say our team members, you have to think about that's collective. It's everything from the person working on the line. You know, we have engineers, we have staff people, we have HR, but it doesn't matter. We have you know, we have every uh, ability of our staff people and our team members on the line, our group leaders, our assistant managers, but they all have these contributive ideas that we empower them to think. When you see something and it comes by you every 60 seconds and you're putting that same thing, your mind and empowering them, that's the secret of the Toyota way of letting them empower them to bring their idea forward and giving them some, a little bit of training and platform to do that the quality circles that uh, the, that these uh, people generate. And it's kind of like an informal problem solving. You teach them a little bit and then telling them, bring forward the idea. They generate millions of dollars of cost savings ideas or process improvements, whether it's their own safety or quality. That's my favorite part of the day is when I get to go out there and somebody said, they'd like to show you an idea. And they are mind-blowing ideas. Many of them that we submit for patents mm-hmm. that a team member says, oh, that's a patentable idea. We'll help them take them through that process. And our legal team does a great job. And then when you hit somebody said, thank you, you have your first patent. And to it was someone created. on the line or like Absolutely. That? Absolutely. We have one individual on the line that has 15 patents. It's amazing. That's and amazing. they're coming up with these. And, and I'm a little bit in envy and awe. Uh, of what they create and some of the mo- the some of the devices they come up with and things are just they're they're mind blowing that we love to show off and we love to put team members out there to to be able to show those 
So before we let these two go, we had to ask two questions that all of you dedicated truck lovers keep asking us on social media. And there are a lot of you. First one, see this all the time in social. When are we getting a redesign on Sequoia, Tundra, Tacoma, (laughs) any of those? Tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, no. No. Hot take. You heard it here first. Yeah. Of course, we can't talk about future products. What I can say is we are working on the next generation trucks. Mm -hmm. People are anxious. They want them so bad. When What I can say is they're mind-blowing when you see the styling. It is... Kevin's uh, nodding. You've seen this, Kevin? Between our powertrain and our design, what I will quote Mr. Lentz and his comment was, this is a game changer. Ooh. I'm not allowed to even so if I can say that I've seen it, but I, I have seen and it is is phenomenal. I'm so excited. Phenomenal. People yeah. will be excited. I know. Listen, guys, that was a PR test, I think. You guys both passed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second thing I want to talk about is aftermarket accessories. I mean, you don't really take like your Yaris or your, you know, your Avalon and be like, I'm going to soup this up and I'm going to drop it. I don't know. Maybe people do. But when it comes to trucks, people see, okay, I get this truck off the line, but they immediately start thinking about what they can, lifting it. And my husband just lifted his truck. He's changed all the badging to red and different stuff. I mean, this is an enthusiastic group that we have. How do you consider the aftermarket accessory place? That That's a great question. And this is an area that we've been lacking on. CV Company gave us a challenge. Gieselson, my president, gave us a challenge of how do we allow the customer to have more customization? Mm-hmm. And you asked me earlier about my some of my responsibilities in Japan. Mm-hmm. One of them is our own processes prevent us from doing some of the things we would like to do. And, yeah. and I, my goal is to change those processes, even right down to how we do our, our cost planning for the vehicle, how we start our design. There's been some, some great advancements to make sure that we can move forward on that. One of them is that Greg Burness moved. He was chief engineer mm-hmm. up at TTC. Greg is now in charge of accessory design. Mm-hmm. Greg understands the development pro- process. He now has got the accessory part process. And Greg and I have been friends for, I don't know, over 30 years now. Yeah, We're trying to work together to make sure that I'm making accommodations for their parts ahead of time. So there isn't a reason we can't do some of the things that our customers naturally want. And one thing about truck guys is we like to make trucks our own, right? We It's a statement, and guys, gals, the truck, the truck community itself is about, you know, it's an expression of your lifestyle. And so it's really important. You know, you, you mentioned what your husband's done to his truck. That's just normal. We have dealers, Tundras, 30% of our Tundras get lifted, right? And when you think about it, we have dealers. There's one right around the corner from our Plano headquarters that the truck gets lifted before it ever hits a lot. But we have crazy things that go on. Kevin's group puts the wheels and tires on a truck. And if it's down in the GST rate region, it it leaves his factory. It goes to our, what we call PPO area our accessory group area, they take Kevin's wheels and tires off and put their wheels and tires right. on. And they do that like not very far from the, right. the plant so, floor. So it, it gets changed. Yards. And yeah. then, then if it's in 
our private distributor region like SET or GST, mm-hmm. it goes to GST. They take PPO's tires and wheels off and put their own tires and wheels on. And then it ends up at a dealership right next to the Plano headquarters. And those wheels and tires are taken off and another set of wheels and tires are put on. And this is insanity. This is insanity, yeah. right? So what it tells me is, well, obviously we didn't hit the market's requirements in that region for what they want. Right. So now we're trying to figure out how this wheel and tire that finally gets shown on the lot, how do we get that in the factory from mm-hmm. the beginning? Because we're just, we threw away, because we can't resell these things, we threw away three sets of wheels and tires before the customer even seen the vehicle. So we, we are trying to get smarter about how do we add some level of customization right. to the vehicle? How do we meet the customer's demand and their wants and their needs? And some of it is just our accessories itself. Some of it is co-branding with with uh, suppliers that are already out there. Mm-hmm. Rigid Lighting is a perfect, or GoPro I mentioned. Yeah. You know, teaming Fox up. Shocks These are and... Fox Shocks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Rigid Lighting, number one off lighting company. We definitely want... Our customers demand that. Our customers go off-road. Everybody knows rigid lighting. Why should we make a light ourselves, right? right? They, they're they known for what they do for off-road. Let's team up together. And these type of things are things that we're working on as we move forward so that we can answer that question. We haven't we haven't done a very good job of, of supplying all the parts that we could supply out there. Maybe in the future, you'll see a lot more selection and some really cool stuff. That's awesome. Rockstar Garage, who's going to take Alan Pierce's new Tundra TRD Pro that we gave him and they're going to lift it and put 40s on it and they're going to do some stuff to it. They said to me uh, when I was out with him, Nick from Rockstar said, listen, you guys are so... Your cars are engineered so well. Your trucks, they're auto-tuning themselves and making themselves better every 30 seconds or so. But if I want to lift it and I want to put these you know, 40-inch tires on stuff like... That's not great for me. Do we take that kind of feedback or are we, you know, into consideration? We we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we did the big change on Tacoma, yeah. I was out one of the truck events mm-hmm. and uh, it was a Jamboree. big... Jamboree. Jamboree. Yeah, we, <laughs> it was a, a big event and there was a lot of aftermarket suppliers at it. Yeah. You know, just walk through SEMA. Yeah. And what you see is almost all the aftermarket suppliers have some kind of Tundra or Tacoma with their parts on it. Mm-hmm. Because they they also understand that our customers are more active yeah. and they buy a lot of aftermarket accessories. One of the questions I had is, well, you changed everything on on Tacoma, you know, what do you what about us? We don't have the resources Toyota has you, this type of thing. We worked with them to keep certain points of the vehicle the same, mm-hmm. the attachments and that, so that their parts would work yeah. you know, for the next generation. Yeah. And yes, we we are working with aftermarket. And like I said, a lot of it now is how do we team up together? Yeah. And from the beginning, consider what the customer wants. And some things we just won't offer as a factory. But it doesn't mean the customer isn't going to do it. And then it gets into now that we have like a Toyota safety sense. Yeah. How do we how do we ensure that after the customer does what they have done to the vehicle, that the system still works? Yeah. And so we're working on that right now because uh, Toyota Safety Sense, we are testing on that. Our tuning of it was 1.7 million miles. Wow. Actually, engineers driving it around. Wow. I can't do that with every part that's made. So we're making strategic moves to team up with aftermarket suppliers to ensure that our system works with their parts. 
does this affect you know these changes in the aftermarket or affect you at the plant level? Yes, yeah, certainly. We want to be manufacturing capability ready. We we set a process, of course. Uh, you know, we're building trucks uh, at a speed that's you know sixty seconds. Every sixty seconds, the truck is going down the line. So. The variations I've already told you were the 31. So it, it increases the complexity, but certainly we need to meet the customer's demand. We need to be, you know, what's out there. And certainly if Mike can design it, we'll modify of how we need to put that in and we'll look if whether it's in the line or right after the line, we'll be able to meet that demand. Perfect. That's it. Thank you for joining Toyota Untold. Oh, thank you. No, thank you. Once again, we want to thank Mike and Kevin for joining us to share why they love our trucks how they get made, and most importantly, for highlighting the dedicated people who make the best trucks. But we're not done spreading the truck love yet because there's one more story we have to tell, the story of the Tundra and the Space Shuttle. In 2012, the California Science Center had a problem. And if there's anything Toyotans love, it's a problem to solve. The Space Shuttle Endeavor was to be decommissioned and installed at the center as part of its permanent exhibit which meant it had to somehow be towed through the streets of Los Angeles from its delivery point at LAX to the museum near downtown LA. A 5,600-pound truck stared a nearly 300,000-pound spaceship right in the nose cone. The shuttle had traveled over 122 million miles in space, and it all boiled down to this one stretch of LA asphalt. Joining us to share his first-person account of this story is our old friend, Russ Cobley, Communications Manager of Advanced Technologies, who was there on the scene. Sometimes you have things that happen in your life that are just kind of, you don't even really see them coming. Yeah. You know, and that, so just to give a little bit of background, um, it was about four years, I think it was four years ago now, uh, in early October, where the space shuttle Endeavor moved through the streets of Los Angeles, going from uh, LAX airport to the California Science Center. And not to cut you off here, but why why were they moving it? Was it going to be displayed? Yeah. So, okay. so the the um, the space shuttles were all decommissioned, taken okay. out of service. And it, there was a big kind of, I don't want to say contest, but uh, museums around the country were like fighting to oh, get these okay. artifacts. And they are artifacts. It's part of our legacy. And, cool. So, you know, different uh, centers were trying to get them and, and New York got one. There was a few different uh, places that got one, but Toyota's had a 20-year relationship with the California Science Center. So nice. we got word a little bit early that they had been awarded. Uh, they hadn't done their press release or hadn't announced it yet, but they called us and said, you know, hey, we're, we're getting this uh, mm -hmm. artifact and we're, you know, really going to be doing a big push and then we're going to have to move it. It's a very complex move to move it from... Uh, LAX, it'll fly in on the back of a 747, which is, we've all seen the images of that, you know, flying with a space shuttle on the back of a 747, mm -hmm. but it landed at LAX. It had to land at LAX and there was no way to get it from, you know, LAX. In New York, they they put it on a barge and they took it down the river. Oh, okay. So not as complex. Complex. I don't want to make that sound like that was an easy move either, right. but... For LA, it was actually getting it through the streets of Los Angeles. And if anybody's driven in Los Angeles, that can be a, a huge challenge. So, yeah. Do you know about how like wide it is though? Because it did have to go through the streets, which are only so wide. Correct. I mean, it, it took up, you had to close all the streets off, right? All the streets okay. had to be closed. And, yeah. and they, they closed them and opened them as it moved. So was so. it like four, like two lanes on each side? It's kind of trying to paint the picture. Is it like, like a two pulling lane? pulling a rocket through... 
you know, past a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I just to know, you know, is it like the the major highway where it's like seven lanes, or is it? So they smaller? they looked at uh, they did look at using the highways, okay. and one of the challenges that they ran into, and the reason that it had to go through the streets was because of overpasses. Oh, uh, right. And they right. couldn't tear those down, so the the height of it was too high. Oh. The width of it was very high. There was, you know. Um, so there was a lot of planning that went into what yeah. streets it had to go down, what was wide enough. Mm-hmm. And heavy. And heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny that they thought of Toyota, though, because, I mean, typically, if you think about moving like a space shuttle, I would probably think more of like a semi truck. Yeah. Yeah. And and the majority <laughs> of the move actually was with uh, specialized dollies that uh-huh. they used to move really heavy objects like houses and yeah. buildings and, you know, I mean, like. Not just houses, but like yeah. large, large buildings. Yeah. They can move them. Um, and that's what they use for the majority of the move. And, and quite frankly, when, when they first called us and we were, started the conversation with them, we were thinking about giving them support vehicles, you know, because yeah. the move was going to take many days. And uh, we were sitting in uh, one of their conference rooms at the Science Center and just talking about it. And, and jokingly, we just said, hey, how about if we pulled it with the Tundra? <laughs> <laughs> and the head of the science center uh, at the time said, uh, "Sure, let's see if we can do it." <laughs> and they said, "There's a there's a certain point of the pole uh, or, or of the move, uh, and it was over the 405 freeway where those dollies that I mentioned or the mm-hmm. the remote controlled platforms were too heavy to go over the bridge. So they had mm-hmm. to the shuttle had to actually be removed from those dollies. They had to truck those dollies around to the other side of the 405, and then." we had to build a customized dolly and they knew that they would have to do this. It mm-hmm. wasn't a matter of they could, they had to change their plan at all. It was, this was part of the move. Right. The only part was they were planning originally to your point to use a semi to pull that, right. you know, over the bridge. And that's when we jokingly said, well, maybe yeah. we should try pulling it with a Tundra. And yeah. that's really where the idea was born. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, so. For a long time, I thought the Tundra pulled it the whole way from, I guess, it landed from oh, LAX. LAX. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the and I was, just had visions of tractor pulls where some guys, you know, pulling this thing <laughs> with his teeth. And you know, I thought, oh, I don't know much about pickup trucks. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was, a, and it was all born from there. And we just said, okay, well, what would we need to do? And, you know, it was, it was very complex just from a, um, you know, rules standpoint. There was a mm-hmm. lot of different government agencies and, and local agencies, you know, citizens were involved in it, you know, the planning, the route and stuff, you know, there was a lot that went into it and we had to, you know, we had to prove that we could do it. Yeah. The first thing was, can we, can, can a Toyota Tundra actually pull that much weight? And I feel like just, I mean, I don't want to speak on behalf of people that work at Toyota, but people at Toyota love a problem, love a challenge that they can look at and see like, yeah, we can figure this out. I mean, I'm sure at some point they weren't exactly sure that it would work, and just said, yeah, but like we can figure this out because they love a, a good like TPS where they can go figure out a problem and, and try to make the solution. Yeah. So, hey, and you know, some of the early meetings were with our executives. So once we we had to kind of inform everybody that we were wanting to do it, and some of those were my favorite conversations because the the initial reaction was, "We're going to do what?" Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you're going to, and then. Two seconds later, it was, of course, we're going to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, not even two seconds later. I think it, there was a little bit of shock and then it was like, well, let's do this. This is very cool. I'm curious to know how how long, how many discussions it took to get the executive approval. Like what, after after it was explained. Well, it was a real small group. We actually okay. had a code name for it. Oh, like gosh. with cards. Yes. With, yes. with cards. We love code names. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
But, you know, it was such a big thing and it, we didn't want it to necessarily, you know, get out in mm-hmm. the public. So we actually uh, called it Blue Ox. Nice. Why? So, so Babe and the Blue Ox. Babe was his ox that pulled all the weight for him. Oh, okay. So he pulled all the logs. All right. Okay. So I guess give us a little inside look on what it took to get a Toyota Tundra to pull a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous when you yeah. say it out loud. Yeah, it, it kind of is and it still is, but it was still kind of one of those moments. We, we did have to go through a bunch of testing. We had to do an initial test where we just loaded up a semi-trailer with a bunch of concrete blocks, created a special hitch for the Tundra. Uh, and then we had, you know, all the right people there, you know, from the city and from the state and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody who had to approve met us out in Mojave at the, in the desert. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we pulled it and, you know, made sure it worked. And and just to clarify, it wasn't a special Tundra, right? No, it was not. It was actually, we made, we, we intentionally made the decision not to take one right out of the factory because we didn't want people to think that we had done something to modify the truck or anything. Yeah. So we actually went down to a dealership and bought two trucks. Awesome. Um, bought them from the dealerships. Didn't tell them what it was for. <laughs> they didn't know why we were buying two trucks. Why, why is Toyota coming to us and buying two trucks from us? You know? Support your local dealer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, we we did the testing. Then we had to do another round of testing. We actually had to build custom dollies uh, for the space shuttle. So we had to get an engineering firm in and work with NASA and the science center and, you know, have these custom dollies built uh, and then a custom hitch to hook it up to the Tundra. Yeah. So we got through all the testing. Everything went uh, as we planned. It was really nerve wracking mm-hmm. to actually be part of that. And there was a ton of planning. I, I think we were in planning meetings with, uh, there was about 500 people in the meetings when we would report out on our section and what was going on. And so even to keep it that quiet was pretty, yeah, pretty good. So then the day of, comes. Yep. And I'm sure everyone's nervous. Very nervous. Because there's still a chance that this doesn't work. Well, yeah. It's on national television. Yeah. And one of our senior executives at the time, Bill Fay, was in charge of marketing. And he, I had to go to him with an indemnification document that was for a billion dollars. And I had to have him sign off on uh, this document that said, oh, by the way, if you drop it, it's a national treasure. It's priceless, but we're going to hold you accountable for a billion dollars. So... (laughs) That was that was a discussion with him a couple of days before the poll. So just a casual billion. Yeah, and he <laughs> said, "What are you going to do if you drop it?" I said, "I'll be in the unemployment line with everybody else." <laughs> and you, working. I'll be there with yeah, you. <laughs> you. You and I will be there together. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So I mean, from a marketing perspective, on your end, like now that you're in PR, I'm sure you understand how nervous the PR people were. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. It's like something we told everyone we were going to do. Well, and a funny little side story. We were actually at... So, Randy's Donuts is a is a famous LA landmark. It's the big brown donut that's on top and you see it in movies and mm-hmm. TVs and stuff. That's actually the very location that we did the pull from. That's where the Tundra hooked up to the space shuttle and then pulled it across the uh, 405 freeway. Um, and I was standing... We were doing a scouting... Uh, visit to Randy's Donuts. Of course, I had to try a donut while I was there, but uh, um, we were standing there and I was with our PR person at the time and a CNN news crew came up and they were doing a story about the move. I mean, this was two or three days before the move and uh, our PR person just grabbed me and said, go talk to CNN. So mm-hmm. did a little pre, pre-PR pre work. There was your first, yeah, first was, step in. Yes. 
<laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, the day of the move came. Um, there were so many people that were involved, and you know, we had we had dignitaries flying in from around, you know, senior executives from Toyota, and it was a very proud moment for the company to mm-hmm. to be watching this. So, you know, to see a, a Toyota Tundra pulling the space shuttle, and we had a lot of people come in. We were doing all the prep work, getting ready. And by the way, we decided that we were actually going to use this moment in time. It was such a big moment for the company that we actually launched our new tagline uh, as part of that effort as well. So not only were we trying to figure out how to pull a space shuttle, but we were trying to figure out what our new tagline would be at that same time. So Is that Let's Go Places? It is Let's Go Places, yeah. Nice. So the Tundra Pull was the first advertising campaign that we did for Let's Go Places. Um, I mean... Why not start off with a bang? (laughs) 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 How long did it take for them to transfer it from... You said they had to transfer the dollies or whatever so that it was connected to the Tundra. So how long did that take? Oh, it took... uh, I think the shuttle showed up at Randy's Donuts. And this is a plug for Randy's Donuts, I guess. So (laughs) Send send us Send free donuts, Randy's Donuts. (laughs) Toyota Uh, (laughs) Untold. We'll send you our address. (laughs) It took about 12 hours, actually, to do the transfer. And we thought it would be quicker than that, but just you know, making sure that it's aligned and technically, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of work that goes into it. And so by the time we started to do the pull, it was almost 11 o'clock at night. So, so I'm trying to imagine though, so it's like, it was on a, a platform. Mm-hmm. And so then it had to be moved, like the dollies under under it, under the wheels. Or so you're, you're it's staying you on the same platform. one thing under and take one thing. Yep. Away. Yeah. So it had to be, basically they had to bring in these huge jacks they jacked mm-hmm. it up, moved out the the dollies, the, the the remote dollies that they were using. And then we slid the, the custom dolly that we put in. And then they lowered the jacks down and the space shuttle was mm-hmm. sitting on that platform. And so that transfer took a long time to yeah. get everything, you know. So like the entire day. The entire day. Everyone's sitting yeah. there waiting. And- yeah. And it was, it was <laughs> actually, it was a great moment for LA. Mm-hmm. And I, I do remember thinking that as I was there, Everyone was so calm and it was such a historic moment for the for the city, but also for the country. You know, when you see mm-hmm. something like a space shuttle, I was lucky enough to actually have uh, a couple of the astronauts who, oh, were, cool. who had flown on the Endeavor uh, with us. Garrett Reisman was uh, an astronaut who was on Endeavor. So for him to be there with us and, you know, I was talking with him throughout the day and he was, you know, telling us stories about being in space. And so that was... That was a cool part of it, but he was interacting with the crowd. There was probably 20,000 people just sitting on lawn chairs and sitting That's around crazy. watching, taking pictures, selfies, and it was it was just a very cool moment. So then when the driver gets in in the driver's seat. Who drove? Oh yeah, who drove? Oh, we so we had uh we had a gentleman who has done a lot of stunt driving for us uh in commercials and stuff uh, so he was the one who was, we, we chose him specifically to drive the Tundra. So so he hopped up in the driver's seat. Hopped up in the driver's seat <laughs> <laughs> after much delay. And, and actually, the local TV channels, I think, were getting a little bit nervous because we were coming up on 11 o'clock, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's prime news for them uh, in LA. And they were starting to say that, you know, there's something wrong with the Toyota truck. That's why it's not moving. And in fact, it was it was not that. It was the fact that there was a power line that they had to lift uh, so that the tail of the space shuttle could go oh, underneath Oh, like an it. overhead. Yeah, an overhead uh, uh, power line. So they had to, <laughs> you know, move that out of the way. And that that's not something that's done easily to disconnect a big power line. Right. And, you know, so 
Anyway, he he got in the truck. We actually had uh, Ed Laukas, who was our uh, vice president of marketing at the time, in the passenger seat, and then Garrett Reisman, our uh, uh, astronaut, was in the back seat of the Tundra. So, and he started to pull it, and it moved it, and I actually got to walk across the bridge in front of it. So I was nice. walking in front of the space shuttle as it pulled. Like the mayor at the front of the parade. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just curious. So like, I mean, when I think of something really heavy behind a pickup truck, I kind of just imagine like the the bed falling off and like the whole thing (laughs) just like splitting in half. The hitch coming on. But I mean, so when he he pressed the gas, obviously you're going to hear it. It's going to, you know, he's trying to to pull up spaceship. So like, I mean, did it move? Instantly, or did it take a second? It, it took a lot of effort. I, I mean, it say. really did to get. I mean, that's way. I mean, the Tundra is rated to pull ten thousand pounds. Now <laughs> it's you know, so it's it's a sixteen times right. you know factor to to pull the space shuttle. So it did take a lot of effort to get it going, and you could hear you know creaking of the dollies, and uh, and you could hear the tri- the truck actually trying to get grip on the ground to get it right. moving because that's that's the hardest part is to get that initial movement mm-hmm. going. So, was yeah. it, it was a flat overpass. It was like no, a it was not. It was arched. It was arched. Oh, yeah. So gosh. it's so that was we were actually starting the half the pole was uphill, so it wasn't it's just nuts. the one hundred and sixty eight thousand pounds. It was you know, yeah. It was the the arc of the the bridge. I mean, I think that's super impressive. I will say the thing, and I wasn't with Toyota at the time, obviously, but I think the thing, the marketing campaign, the thing that was the funniest out of all of it were the bumper stickers that said, yeah, it'll pull your yeah, boat. Yeah, it'll pull your boat. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. But I mean, that's awesome that that was the start of Let's Go Places. What happened to the truck afterwards? So the truck actually, so we did the pull and then they said, so it stopped. We brought it to a stop and then they said, oh no, we need you to move another 10 feet. <laughs> and we said, okay, because there was another power line that they had to let down. Oh. So it was like 10 feet. So we moved it 10 feet. And they were like, ah, we're going to need you to move another 20 feet just to be safe. So not only did it pull it once, it pulled it three times. And by that time, it was starting to get pretty warm. Everything, I think, was starting to get pretty warm in the transmission. And <laughs> Yes, they must have done an exam, put it, did an EKG afterwards to see how <laughs> Yeah, actually, the truck is on display at the California Science Center, though. That's so awesome. after... They've got a great little interactive display. It's one... I mean, the museum itself is an amazing place and it's very interactive and mm-hmm. so they they have it on a I'm trying to it's basically a fulcrum that you can lift the tundra so it's on a fulcrum oh, cool. so kids can go up and there's different ropes at different points that you can you can actually lift the truck so that truck is now at the California Science Center so if you're ever in LA stop by the California Science Center and say hello to the space shuttle and if you're ever in Texas come check out the TMMTX plant you can head over to toyotatexas.com slash tour for more information. It's incredible to see in action. So if you love trucks, you should come check it out. You know what? Even if you don't love trucks, you will be absolutely amazed at what happens in the plant. It's super cool. This is Tyler. This is Kelsey. This is Allison. Thanks for joining Toyota Untold. 